This is Perspectives, the show where an examination of our many differences often shows us how much we have in common. I'm Condis Presley, and this is our first show of the new year. Now, what many of you may not know, that it has been my pleasure and my honor to host this program on this radio station now for the past 30 years. So today is special, and each program this year will be special as we celebrate Perspective's 30th anniversary. At the beginning of a new year, people often speak of goals and resolutions. Some are kept, many are not. The one constant, though, is change. And our guest today knows something about change. She is Georgia Dawkins. Georgia is an author, producer, and journalist. And in the spirit of full transparency, she has been a mentee of mine, and she proudly is my birthday twin. She is using her gifts to help others reach their destiny. She's here today because of her book, Everybody Knows, The Power of Being in Position. And Georgia Dawkins, my birthday twin, welcome to Perspectives in our first show of 2019. Hello, Condice, and congratulations on 30 years of... You've done something very significant. You left what you've described as the job of your dreams to do what you're doing now. Absolutely. Tell us that story. It was the hardest decision that I've ever made in my life, but I had no other choice but to walk away. I experienced a spiritual encounter where I believe God spoke to me and told me to go, and not only told me to go, but how to, how to go, who to call, what time to call, and what to say. So for me, it was about getting in position, and it was difficult for me to leave the thing that I helped develop, the thing that I helped create. That's my baby. And God used my cousin to confirm to me, that's not your baby. You were simply a doula for this project, and that is what you do. You don't just produce television. You're a purpose producer. Everything you put your hands on, you're extracting purpose from that. So that's what I'm doing now. And that's very much the theme of your book, Everybody Knows, the power of being in position, knowing your purpose, and developing it along the way. Talk to us more about and you're a millennial, and so, <laughs> and I don't say that in a in a negative way, but I just want to give the audience some context as to where you are in your life. But indeed, you're somewhat of an old soul that way. I've been told that I've been here before. My cousin likes to tell the story of two year old Georgia who comes to church with her purse and her Bible, and she sits on the front row and judges everyone. So I have been this baby Christian, <laughs> too saved as they call it, where I'm from in Sebring, Florida. Um, Since I was a toddler, but this is something that I came here with. Um, In the book, I speak candidly about my relationship with my grandmother, who I never met. And we share a name, Georgia. She was Georgia May, and I'm Georgia Elizabeth. So that's part of my legacy. I get to carry that on, and I feel like there is a piece of her within me. And so maybe that's where the old soul attribution may come from, is my grandmother is with me. Although we never met, we are kindred spirits. And your middle name is from your great-grandmother, Liz, who was quite the spitfire. (laughs) Tell us about her. She's a Medea. She's a Medea. And those are my favorite stories. I come from a family of storytellers. So this book to me is like, ah, Georgia, you can do better. Because my family, they put on and they really take me to a place I've never been before. These are family members I've never met. And I only know them through pictures and stories. So those stories keep these women alive in my life, although I never knew them in that way. 
So she was the one, the gun-toting grandmother, cigarette smoking, cuss anybody out, child, grandmother, no respective persons. Like, you're just, <laughs> anyone can get it, basically. But I'm very proud to come from that legacy of, of women who fight and women who believe in community by any means necessary. Now, I, I, I should know this, and I'm not recalling, wh- where do you fall in birth order? Because you're the only girl yes. in a family of boys. Yes, I have, um, I have many brothers I'm from a family of four, so I'm the second oldest, and we're extremely spread out. Um, uh, my youngest brother is 13. <laughs> and I am not. <laughs> <laughs> but as the only girl in the family, you you proudly identify yourself as the favorite child, although your mama says that's not so. There's just no way around it. We actually had this debate the other day. My Still? younger brother, um, who's 25, that's his claim. He's the favorite. And my mom even tells a story about how her aunt, her great aunt told her, this is your smartest child. So she just claimed this one as the best one. And that's just not possible. I'm the only girl. I'm the only one who can look this much like you. You are welcome. (laughs) The story of your birth early on in the book is one that suggests that you were predestined by God to be a storyteller because you just arrived in the world on a very busy day. (laughs) And as you wrote, your mother had had children before you'd have thunk and I did say thunk, <laughs> that she knew you were in position to yeah. be here. Yeah, that story, this, the whole book just ministers to me. I often go back and read those words because I believe that this book was not written by me, but through me. So I go back and I look for those notes, and that story always lights a fire, stirs up some gifts in, inside of me and reminds me of how important it is to be in position and what that means. It's go time. I'm here now. It's time to move. So my mom, not recognizing the symptoms and going for a walk, this was right after a traumatic experience. My older brother had cut himself climbing a tree, came home bloody. My mom is full term, hops on a bicycle, rides a mile down a hill to get the car from my father so that she can take my brother to the emergency room. Hours later, she said she was stressed out and she needed to go for a walk, and she did that. And sat down at a neighbor's house, and that's when I got in position. And she, as I write in the book, she talks about how I got into position and the things that were going through her mind. And sometimes we we don't recognize the signs. We fail to recognize the signs of when we need to get in position for other people. What told you that these words that you've poured out in this book needed to come now? God. So after, during the spiritual experience um, with God, he'd sent a person to my house who'd never been there before. And this guy texts me and he says, I'm in the neighborhood. Can I come over? And I'm like, sure, I'll send you the address because he'd never been there before. But he was familiar, familiar with my neighborhood and familiar with what was going on in my life. So during that time, I'd, I was completely open to whatever God wanted to communicate to me. And after I put in my notice to leave the talk show, God gave me a deadline and told me that I had to have this book out of me by January 31st. And it was a good January 19th. That was my last day at the show. Two days later, I went on a writing retreat and I I cut everybody out and I wrote nonstop for nine days, but it only took eight to write the whole book. So I showed up 
with about 2,500 words because this was a desire of mine. This was something that I've been working on for nearly two years, but I only had 2,500 words. That's not a book. That's just a really long essay. So after that writing retreat, um, and I went to Tybee Island, I left there with more than 22,000 words. And it was the most amazing experience I've ever had. And the best gift I've ever given to myself was that time to write and connect and hear and pour and purge. This book is a miracle, not only for me, but for anyone who will read it. It sounds as if it was a most cathartic experience for you. Absolutely. And there are so many more books. And I'm trying not to put too much pressure on myself because what happened with this book, I mean, eight days to write a book, that's, that's a miracle. I don't know that I can do that with the other books. So I'm having to remind Georgia to be patient with Georgia and with this process because each book, each story, each show that I develop has a process. How did you know that you were going to pursue a career in journalism? And when did you know that that was what you wanted to do? Sixth grade. In sixth grade, I knew that I was going to attend Florida a University, and I knew that I would major in broadcast journalism. I only knew that because that's what my uncle did, and that's what my aunt, my cousin did. They went to FAMU, and they went to the School of Journalism. They had different tracks, but for me, TV was so exciting. It's still so exciting for me to take those things out of my head and put them on TV. And then people enjoy it and it helps people. It's informative. It's entertaining. It's inspiring. That's so amazing to me. So initially, I was the girl who wanted to be Oprah. And then I realized I'm not Oprah. I have a different path. And so I decided to forego those dreams of Oprah hair and that Barbara Walters smile and that positioning. And I repositioned myself behind the camera to be a gatekeeper because I decided I wanted to be a person who set the agenda for the day. I want to be in charge of what people are thinking about throughout their entire day, that first line, that first encounter. There are many young people who, just like you, have those dreams and aspirations, and yet they do not achieve those goals that you did. What do you think set you apart? Faith, accountability, and therapy. Those three things help me to position myself to be able to be of service to anyone, whether it's writing the book or just showing up to a meeting. I'm now showing up more. I'm showing up now as the best version of myself. I didn't know what I needed at that time, and now I can look back and say, Wow, that therapy investment was great. My friends and family who hold me accountable to my own greatness, they're amazing. And my faith, not only my faith in God, but my faith in Georgia has grown so much that I can't turn away from it. And I slept on it. I slept on myself for a long time. The title of the book is Everybody Knows because that's what God told me about my gifts. Georgia, everybody knows what I put inside of you. Everybody knows what path I put you on, but you. And I felt so silly and so guilty, and I repented. God, forgive me for not holding myself accountable to my own greatness. I'm ready now. I'm in position. Use me how you want to. You've spent this time transitioning out of one opportunity into another. It is a new year. You are doing new and exciting things. What are you thinking this new year holds for you? This is the year of Georgia. (laughs) <laughs> I, I am slightly afraid of it, but I, I'm owning it. 
I'm owning it one day at a time. I am owning this position. And that position is a new position for me. I'm not just behind the camera anymore. I'm in front of the camera. I am developing my own podcast, Purpose Producer. I'm in the I'm in the front now. And that's a different that's a different experience completely. Was it uncomfortable to make that transition for you? Yes. Yes. Why? And then I had to produce myself. Um, starting out as an entrepreneur, 2018 was my first year of full-time entrepreneurship. I had to be that person for myself that I've been for all these other brands I work for. I had to produce Georgia. Wow. That sounds hard. <laughs> it, it's, it's hard, but it's beautiful to see all the things that I get to create, all the people I get to meet, the purpose that I, I get to touch and that I get to exercise every day. That's the beauty in it. It's difficult. It's hard. I'm kicking myself most days. But on the days that I'm not, I'm hugging Georgia and I'm celebrating Georgia and I'm inspiring other people to get in position. I need you to be in position. Condis, you're in position for me today. Thank you. That's a beautiful place to be in. How do you get through the difficult days? It's changed for me. Those days of depression, of on the verge of suicide, I had a day last summer where I had to call my cousin because I was on the floor and I couldn't walk and I could barely talk. And I knew that if I spent a moment longer with myself that I was going to hurt Georgia. So I called my cousin. I said, hey, can you, can you come get me? And she came right away. And I cried that whole day, but that was a hard day for me. That was a very hard day. So where I used to call people or I used to hurt myself, I would call people and vent. That's how I dealt with it without dealing with it. And really, I'm just sifting all this stuff from one dirty filter to another. Now I'm holding myself accountable. Now I get quiet. I get quiet when I get in those moments. And I listen. And I talk to myself and I talk to God. And I listen to God and I listen to Georgia. Where are we today? How do we get through this? What's next? Sometimes it seems impossible, but I always make it through. Georgia, how can your life experience today inspire and edify those people listening right now who have no concept of God, who have no relationship with God, who think that you have absolutely no idea what you're talking about and that you are delusional and just a distraction to their day? I don't want to be a distraction to anyone's day. What I'm doing is I'm being vulnerable and I'm putting it all out there. The the brokenness, the suicidal thoughts, the losing a four-year scholarship, the being fired from uh, a top news market, all of my failures. I'm putting it all out there because I believe that there's something in that to help someone. And just as I mentioned, it's it's so much more than faith in God, not to take away from God, but he put that same power in us, or she put that same power in us. We are just as great. We are just as powerful. That's the beauty of human of the human race. We all have the power to create something, whatever that is, whether it's an energy or a technology, or whatever that is, whatever we're creating is going out into whatever we produce each day. That phone call, that text message, and I want to make sure that I'm producing purpose, that I am putting out good vibes only, 
So if you don't believe in anything else, if you don't have faith in anything else, you have to believe in yourself. You're here for a reason. How do you deal with distractions? (laughs) I log out. (laughs) For one, I have to turn off social media often. And even sometimes my family, uh, Do Not Disturb, has become my best friend. And I'm quiet. I don't talk to people as much as I used to. I don't talk to myself as much as I used to, but I'm I'm learning to write it out. I go to my journal first before I text anyone, before I put that energy out there. Let me figure out what it is. Let me see if it's something I can handle. And in that quiet time, I'm listening for who I'm supposed to call for help. If that is my spiritual advisor or my therapist or my best friend, who am I supposed to call in that time? But it's changed for me how I eliminate distractions. But the main thing is not to eliminate them, but to focus on me. That puts everything in perspective. We're talking to Georgia Dawkins. She is an author, producer, and journalist. She's written a book, Everybody Knows the Power of Being in Position, available to educate, edify, and inspire you now. Georgia, in your book, you are incredibly transparent and share some of the darkest memories that anyone might experience. Often those things are kept secret until people go to their graves. Why did you tell those stories? I don't know how long I'm going to be here. I would have hated to have passed on and not left anything behind. That that would have been the most heartbreaking thing for me. I'm proud of myself because I pushed through and because I was able to write those stories and come back to this planet because they took me to a place, reliving the pain of, of being raped as a seven-year-old girl. That took me to a place. And months later, after writing this book, short months, four short months later, I encountered the man who raped me for the first time since that time. And I didn't know who he was. I had no idea who he was. I was so oblivious to his identity that I hugged him because I thought he was someone else. I was back home for the first time in a while, and it's a small town. Everyone's my cousin. It's population 10,000, 16% black. I love on everyone, no matter what their color may be or their race may be. And so I embraced this person, and it was days later that I found out that that was the man, that was him. That was the guy who hurt me. And at first I was angry. And I was like, you know what, because old Georgia, as you'll read in the book, she was very violent, okay? (laughs) And I feared that she would wake up, but she didn't. She didn't. The miracle in that moment was being able to cover that experience in love. So he's probably very confused at this moment, but that speaks to the healing that I acquired through this book, through writing this book, through purging some of those darkest memories. You've talked a lot about the benefits of therapy. Mm -hmm. When did you know that that was an option for you, an opportunity for you, and how has it benefited you? I've had a long relationship with therapy. When I was in high school, I knew I needed more than just my guidance counselor. So I pulled her to the side and I said, look, I don't know how to tell my mom this, but I need to talk to someone else. 
have more to say. I need to go deeper. And I was going to church, and I had my spiritual advisors there who I could go to, but this was different. The turning point for me was in college, 2008, fall semester, and I was doing the absolute most. I was a chapter president of the FAMU Association of Black Journalists. I was an editor for the FAMU and newspaper. I was working two jobs and taking 16 hours of classes, and I was losing myself. My grades were very low, and so was my energy. It wasn't until one of my friends back back home, she said to me, Georgia, I think you need to talk to someone. You've been sad a lot lately. It's not just every now and then, it's daily, and I'm concerned. I was almost too offended by what she said to get help. But I heard it. I heard what she didn't say, and she was concerned. So my university provided 12 free sessions for me per semester, and that was everything, everything. I've continued my relationship with therapy post-college, and I've paid out of pocket for eight years. Eight years. Just last month, one of my three of my friends donated to my session. They covered my session for the day because they know how important it is to me to have that time to talk to someone who's unbiased and who sees beyond what I can see. How have you been able to move from the dark spaces in your life and in your past into the light that lies ahead in 2019? So many beautiful things around me. I've had the most amazing spiritual encounters. I look at it as an engagement when God told me to leave my dream job and he told me he was dreaming bigger dreams for me, I was like, okay. It felt very much like a proposal. It felt like God was down on one knee with all the rings in the world saying, will you have me now? And that is love. That is unconditional love. And that's what pulls me out of those dark spaces. There's always something. He always uses something or someone to get my attention. So I'm never alone. It's never as dark as I think it is. I'm never as low as I feel. What do you want readers to take away from Everybody Knows, the power of being in position? My prayer, my intention for this book, when I first started writing in 2016, was this book will not only heal me, but heal the people around me. So I know for everyone who opens this book, they will find a healing. And ultimately, my greatest desire is that they see themselves, is that they find their purpose. And they walk away from that last page knowing how important it is for them to be in position for others to reach their destiny. What are your plans for the new year? I'm excited about this podcast, okay? (laughs) Purpose Producer Podcast is my baby. This is the year of Georgia. And it's finally time for me to show what I've learned behind the scenes all these years. It's time for me to get in front of the camera, in front of the microphone, and continue to share this message of purpose, of hope, of spirituality, and redemption. So I'm looking forward to producing Georgia this year. How can readers access your book, Everybody Knows the Power of Being in Position by Georgia Dawkins? Of course, the book is available on Amazon and georgiadawkins.com. Any final thoughts from you, Georgia, for our listeners on this first perspectives of a new year? 
It's never too late to go full speed in the opposite direction. A lot of time when we're on our journey, we get frustrated because we get lost and we, we've made a lot of wrong turns, but that last turn wasn't your last turn. There's more to this journey. And even though you may be in a place where you feel like you're lost, where you're going in the wrong direction, it's never too late to turn around. Georgia Dawkins, thank you. Thank you. Perspectives is a half hour we produce with you in mind. If there's something you think we ought to be talking about, let me hear from you. Tweet me, condo 29 on Twitter, or leave a message on our Facebook page. We do appreciate your listening and hope you'll be back next week at this same time as we examine another perspective. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.